can be seated. If you want to follow along in your Bibles this morning, we'll be in Psalm 13. We're going to get to that uh, in just a few moments. So it'll be on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your hard copy Bible uh, or on your phone, Psalm 13 is where we're going to be. As Pastor Phil mentioned earlier, we're in a series called Cross Currents, uh, thinking about uh, a theme that's happening in current events right now and how we can approach that with a biblical perspective. So I need your help as we get started this morning. I'm going to pull something out of my wallet here uh, related to cross currents, and I want your instant reaction, thumbs up or thumbs down. Just what's your connotation when you see it? Uh, don't think too hard about it. Oh, come on. There's a lot of thumbs downs. There's some thumbs ups, some double thumbs ups. Okay, if you're not familiar with what I'm holding or with what you see on the screen behind me, it's a metro card. It's a smart trip. If you're like me, whenever family comes to visit the area, they take metro. They don't know what to do with their card when they leave, so they just leave it on your counter. We have like two dozen of these at our house, Um, so if anybody wants one, let me know. But I share that this morning because for better or for worse, the DC Metro is an ever-present current event here. Did anybody see Metro in the news this past week? You, you can't miss it. There's always something going on. And, you know, I said for better or for worse, but usually it's for worse because it involves waiting. Right now, Alexandrians are waiting for the stations to reopen because everything south of the airport is closed for track work, which is great. We want the tracks to work well, but we're waiting on that to reopen. People who live in Potomac Yard, I know some of you live near Potomac Yard, are waiting for that station to open. It was supposed to open this year, but now we've heard it's actually going to open next year. And for some of you, if you're like me, I actually want to take the metro to Dulles Airport one day. I will leave my house five hours before my flight when that day comes, but it will be worth it not to pay for parking, not to pay the toll roads. We just learned that we're still waiting, but that wait is almost over. I think that was the news this past week, that it should be ready by Thanksgiving. So there has been a lot of waiting on the completion of the Silver Line, but we're almost there. Now, for the record, I have nothing but love for the DC Metro. The last time I wrote it. Uh, My experience was fantastic. I want to see it thrive in our region. So uh, while there were some thumbs down and we did laugh at it, um, I support the Metro. I think the Metro is great. But when it pops up in the news, it's describing a waiting game. Uh, And this morning, we're going to think about waiting games that we play in our life and times when we find ourselves waiting The simple fact of the matter is waiting is no fun. Nobody likes to wait. We want to see our plans come to fruition. We want to see them come to fruition ASAP. But our lives are full of waiting. Waiting, you know, on the metro, but also waiting on very substantive matters, too. And it's natural for us to have frustration when we find ourselves waiting. And it's especially natural to be frustrated or to not know what to do if we feel like we're waiting on an answer from God. So with that as our focus this morning, Psalm 13 is going to be our guide. We're going to look at that together as we get started. Now, this is an excellent psalm. Uh, it's just half a dozen verses. So let's, let's look at it together here. It's a psalm of David. 
How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing of the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's a lot happening there in six verses here in Psalm 13. So with this psalm in the background and with waiting on our mind this morning, I want you to, as we begin to bring to mind where you feel like you are waiting in life right now. No, I don't mean waiting on a bus to come or waiting on a a train that's five minutes late. Where are you waiting in life, whether it's on an answer from God, whether it's for clarity, whether it's for resolution? Hold that in your mind right now as we engage with that passage. Where is it? Is it vocational clarity? Are you trying to figure out what God is calling you to do? Is it for a friend Or is it for a family member to make a life change, to respond to what you feel like is just an abundance of encouragement that you're offering? Or is it just that big picture desire to find purpose, very clear purpose, or a sense of belonging? Wherever it is, whether it's big, whether it's small, we're all waiting for something. When we find ourselves waiting, there's an important distinction to be made that we're going to look at first, and it's the difference between waiting on God and waiting with God. It's just a preposition there, but waiting on God and waiting with God are two very different postures we can take when we find ourselves in seasons of waiting. Note that that in our psalm, Uh, David's voice is very directly engaging with God. And something that I love about the Psalms is they they don't sugarcoat it either. They're they're often direct, uh, and they're often not filtering the feelings that they have when they speak in the Psalms. Verse 3 is very direct, where it cries out, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. The feelings, the... uh, the hurry, the frustration that we sense from the psalmist here, they're real and they're brought straight to God in prayer. The psalmist here, David, we see, is taking his predicament to God and waiting with God as he seeks an answer. When we wait on God, it tends to be passive. When we wait with God, it tends to be active. So when we're waiting on God, when we're being passive, we tend to brew bitterness, we tend to brew resentment as we think uh, we're just waiting on something to be delivered to us, dropped in our lap for our answer that we so rightly deserve. Now when we're waiting with God, with rather than on, it tends to strengthen our connection with God. In the psalm here, David is waiting with God, and he's so connected with God that we see his language uh, is very conversational, very real, and very transparent. 
Waiting with God strengthens our connection with God, and this happens even when God's timing doesn't totally line up with what we think that God's timing should be. I've mentioned a a time or two here that, that before I moved to Alexandria, I lived in North Carolina, and while I was in school, I worked as a hospital chaplain. And so many hours of my shifts were spent waiting Right? If you see a medical show like ER, there's always so much intensity, things are happening. Uh, my reality was just so much waiting. And I, I often worked nights because I was the, the youngest one on the chaplain crew, so they gave me the night shifts. Uh, thank you, I guess. And the hospital was very quiet at night. Um, they wanted you know, patients to sleep and rest, so there wasn't a lot going on uh, unless there was... Uh, an emergency somewhere outside the emergency room. So I found myself camping out in the emergency room. And I'd meet families of patients. I would bring them to this specific private room to wait. And I'd connect them with the medical team and talk and pray with them. And they were waiting, and it was awful. They were waiting on doctors, and stress and anxiety was so high. It was it was palpable in these rooms. And on multiple occasions, uh, I was with the family in these private waiting rooms when frustration boiled over to such an extent that somebody punched a hole in the wall. Um, and from then, they had to be admitted into a, a separate area to have that dealt with. And it, it was uh, just, you could see that the stress and the frustration compounded. Waiting from a distance in these rooms Waiting on news, waiting on something was agonizing. Really challenging situation that that people found themselves in here. There were times, though, when it was quieter, uh, often on a weeknight, not a weekend, when it was less busy, and the lead person on the medical team would come and give frequent updates. And I loved that. I had uh, charge nurses and doctors who I, I liked particularly more than some others because they came and gave frequent updates. They'd come in, they'd note where they were in the surgery journey and say, I'll be back when I have more news. This was a two-sentence update, right? It it was not a a deep medical briefing, but even uh, a 20-second check-in like this just swallowed the room with a sense of peace. That palpable tension I mentioned would disappear when a, when a doctor would come be with the family and give news like this. And it, it transitioned everything. It, it led to a different kind of waiting, a more connected waiting that was informed and in which both sides uh, were participating to an extent. When we wait on God or when we wait on anything in general, in a way that's distant or in a way that's passive, we lose control. Our frustration might not manifest itself in punching a wall, but internally, we can lose control. And when we lose control, it colors our view of the situation and tragically can color our view of God. But if we're waiting on God, if we're keeping God at a distance, that's very possible. When we wait with God, what we're feeling is still very much real. It doesn't discount the pain, it doesn't discount the struggle, but God is at the center 
of our waiting, when we're waiting with God. Even if we find ourselves in a storm, we find ourselves in the storm with the one who can calm the storm. When I was with families in the ER who were receiving these frequent updates, even if it wasn't good news, these families felt so much less lost, and they became more open to me in my presence. You know, sometimes people were like, what are you doing here? What's your function? You can't fix anything. But when uh, we, we moved from waiting on to waiting with, they were so much more willing to pray, to talk, to share their very real concerns, and in an overwhelming majority of situations, take those concerns to God in a way that brought peace that nothing else could bring in that situation. So when you're in seasons of waiting, it's crucial to acknowledge God's presence and actively wait with God. And if you feel like you're at a loss for words on how to do that, the Psalms are full of prayers that can put words to your thoughts and your emotions as you're processing a situation. Psalm 13 that we looked at is a great place to start, and there are countless other psalms that can help guide your prayers. And if you find yourself in a a particularly challenging moment of waiting in your life right now, we have to acknowledge while we're together that you are not alone. People throughout history have found themselves in seasons of waiting uh, that has led to dialogue with God like we see here in Psalm 13. Psalm 13, we saw it opens with the words, how long? How long, Lord? Which we see in scripture elsewhere. It's raised by Isaiah, it's raised by Habakkuk, it's raised by Job, and many, many more uh, from the time God's people were active, as we see in scripture, up to today. They were waiting, and they were waiting with God because they took their concerns directly to God. We are called to do the same thing absolutely when we find ourselves waiting. We need to wait with God, and we need to engage with God as we wait. And as we do this, there's there's another step we can do on our own, and that's waiting with awareness. Awareness that God desires what's best for us. A reality that can be challenging to to settle into is the fact that God is bigger than we can comprehend. God is huge. We can try our best, but we're just not on this side of eternity going to fully wrap our minds around how big, how powerful, and how all-knowing God is. As a result of how big God is, God understands situations in ways that we can't, and God's timing plays out in ways that don't always match what we think we want or what we think we need in that specific moment. So we have to approach times of waiting with trust, with trust in this big, great, powerful God. As I said earlier, followers of Jesus have been wrestling with this for centuries. And one notable example we'll look at together comes from the writing of St. Augustine. He was a leader in the church in the 4th century and the 5th century. And he wrote on waiting. He said, 
the entire life of a good Christian is an experience in holy desire. You do not see what you long for, but the very act of desiring prepares you so that when God comes, you may see and be utterly satisfied. With, with this teaching here, you can substitute desiring with waiting. The act of waiting often prepares us. Waiting in general on what she thought about at the beginning of the message and also waiting on the promised return of Jesus. Augustine, in, in his teaching on waiting, goes on to talk about a hypothetical that says, let's say, for example, uh, each of us has a bag. You have a bag and you learn that you're going to receive something and actually what you're going to receive is larger than the bag that you have to fit it in. So if you know you're going to receive something in an hour, you're going to do everything you can to stretch that bag to increase its capacity so you can receive the fullest amount of that bounty that's coming for you. Augustine uses this example to teach uh, how our big, big God interacts with us. And, And he goes on to say, simply by making us wait, God increases our desire, which in turn enlarges the capacity of our soul, making it able to receive what is to be given to us. Just beautiful language around uh, the act of waiting we find ourselves in. God is enlarging the capacity of our souls, making it able to receive what is to be given to us. This sounds beautiful, but it can be hard to consider this bigger picture outlook when we're waiting and when we're frustrated. But it's essential that we remember and that we acknowledge God's care for us and power when we feel like we need an answer or when we feel like we need deliverance ASAP. Over the, the last few years, my, my life has, as a parent has taught me a lot about patience Uh, when it comes to spiritual waiting uh, in light of ways that I have to make my kids wait. In our our household right now, over the past couple weeks, our two boys have been on an apple cider kick. Uh, Has anyone here had apple cider yet in October? Yeah, I just had to restock yesterday because, like I said, we've been on an apple cider kick in our house, and they ask for it often. And, and I mean too often, they would have it more than water or milk if they were in charge. But the reality, I know what you're thinking, is it, it would not be wise to let uh, a couple three-year-olds have all the apple cider that they want. So Sarah and I make them wait. And doing so increases their capacity for apple cider in a variety of ways. And when they finally get it, it is so sweet and celebrated and rejoiced over. Now, placing myself in their shoes, I would be so frustrated because they want it, they want it ASAP, and they are just so excited about it. But they're waiting because their parents know what they're doing to an extent. And three-year-olds simply can't manage the constant sugar rush from apple cider. So they wait. Similarly, our our Heavenly Father knows what we need, too. 
and acknowledging that God is with us and that God knows our desires and needs should challenge the way that we process waiting. Jesus hits on this topic in the Sermon on the Mount with some famous lines that I just I can't help but grin when I see them. He's preaching and he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? It's a great, great teaching from Jesus and a reminder that uh, we need to confidently go directly to our Heavenly Father, uh, not only when we're waiting, but when we have desires that we need to ask from God. So to recap where we've been thus far, as we wait, we wait with God, and we must also wait with awareness of God's specific concern for delivering what's best for us in the moment. These are things, everything, most of what we've talked about thus far, we can do on our own. It's a pretty internal journey. We can't, however, do it all alone. We are called as, as followers of Jesus to live in community with others, and this includes times in life where you feel stuck or times in life where you feel like you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And when you're there, God does not want you to carry that on your own. God doesn't want you to carry anything solo. It's good to be equipped to do some things in your spiritual journey on yourself, but uh, it, it really goes the extra mile when you're part of community that can pray for you, that can support you, and that can encourage you in the direction of Jesus. Jesus invites us to cast our burdens on him and to lean into the community that is the church. This is something we can all participate in, and this is something that you are equipped for. I'm saying general you, but I actually mean every single one of you. You are equipped to be part of a community that is caring and supportive uh, in your own waiting and when you find your peers and those you care about also waiting. When I was, to take it back a little bit, when I waited with people in the emergency room in these, these family areas, I didn't have words that solved everything. I mostly just sat there. Uh, that's not what I would put on a resume, you know, sat there. But it wasn't uh, really intensive, glamorous work. At, at the start, I thought, I have to say the right Bible verse, the exact words, conjure up some, some spiritual abracadabra that is going to solve their stress in this moment. And I learned very quickly how wrong I was in that. Yes, uh, words from Scripture are encouraging. Yes, prayers absolutely uh, move the needle. Uh, but presence does so much. Being present went so far. And I saw firsthand countless times how valuable company is when it comes to spiritually encouraging people who are in a tough spot. And the difference between waiting on your own and waiting with company is massive. I've seen this in church, too, many, many more times than I can count. In 
prayers after worship and prayers or times of sharing in Bible study classes and table groups and over email chains, all of this being with one another and sharing the, the concerns of your heart, whether it's a pain, whether it's something that you're waiting on, all of this brings immense encouragement and, very importantly, it helps center God in the situation. It centers God and it reminds us of the reality that God is with us, God is caring for us, and that God is desiring the best outcome for us, even when we aren't certain what that looks like in the moment. If you're hearing this and if you don't have that type of community to lean on and to wait with right now, you need it. It will shape your view of God. It will shape also God's care for you in a powerful way. You can step into that right here with us. You are invited. Fill out a connection card. Drop it in a black box in the back on the stairs or down in the foyer because you can, you can get that here in a Bible study class at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, in a Monday night class, in a table group, in a volunteer crew on a third Friday or on a Wednesday morning. All of these places are full of good people, great company, and followers of Jesus who will sit with you, who will pray with you, who will wait with you, and who will be present in your journey. I need your participation one, one last time. We, I really valued the polling on the Metro card, but I want your responses again. What is your connotation of waiting now? We have, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down. I want to offer you an alternative too, maybe thumbs sideways. So let's, let's see where we are. Um, no one is thumbs up on waiting. Some people are still thumbs down. I value your honesty. Um, I see some thumbs sideways though. It's okay if you're not thumbs up on waiting. We weren't going to hear a message this morning and say, wow, this thing that's really awful is actually great, right? That's, that's not where we're going with this. But I really do hope that we can get to a point of thumbs sideways, given what we've talked about this morning, given what we've seen from Scripture and the reminder of who God is, God's desire to engage with us, and God's desire to work with and for us. When we are waiting, even if it's not thumbs up, even if it's thumbs sideways, when we are waiting, God is at work. If you take away one thing this morning, it's that when we're waiting, God is at work. We can get antsy, we can get impatient, but we can't lose sight of taking that antsiness or taking that impatience to God. We need to wait with God. If we wait on God, we're creating a gap and a gulf that's going to make us bitter and resentful. We can't lose sight of God's ultimate powerful care for us and God's desire to make all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That is God's desire for all of us. Next time you find yourself waiting, it might be in a couple hours, it might be in a couple weeks. Remember the visual that God could be, in the words of Augustine, enlarging the capacity of our souls to receive something greater than what we can comprehend in the moment. 
And I want us to, to take seriously the call to step towards and step into community. When we are vulnerable and when we step towards others in trust, even if we haven't known them for a long time, God will surround us with people who will make a big difference in our life while we process our waiting and our highs and our lows in community with good company. So as we close, I want you to bring to mind one last time where you find yourself waiting with God right now. You can hold this in your thoughts as we close in, in prayer together through song. I want to invite you guys to, to stand with me. We've looked at, at Psalm 13 together at the start, and we're going to close by saying these last two verses together. The last two verses are going to be on the screen here. Uh, and after we, we pray this aloud together, we'll conclude in song. So join me in saying verses 5 and 6 here. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Let's do just that. Let's sing the Lord's praise.